Welcome to another inspirational message from the chapel. We pray this message encourages and inspires you. If you would like any more information, check out our website, thechapelcollective.com.au. Okay, Uh, our theme is Emmanuel, Emmanuel, God with us. And uh, this name, Emmanuel, was first given 700 years before Jesus even came into the world. The name God with us, given in reference. Now, I just want you to know, if you've got kids tonight, obviously we usually have kids' church, it's so fine. Everyone is welcome here tonight from the oldest to the youngest. Just chill out, don't worry too much. Um, People are able to block them out, Um, so... If they get fractious, there is a parent's room up the back that you might want to avail yourself of. Um, okay, so 700 years. Now, I don't want to assume that, just I just said, you know, before Jesus came into the world, I don't want to assume that you know the Christmas story. Maybe you remember a few snippets from um, Scripture in primary school. But let me read to you from Matthew chapter 1. And, and it was read before. I think Ruth read it as well. But Matthew 1, 18, it says, This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together came together, that means, Um, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save the people from their sins." All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son and he gave him the name Jesus. So you may be familiar with different parts of this story whereby this young teenage girl Uh, falls pregnant and um, unfortunately, as we just read, her husband doesn't put her away, it says in other versions, other translations, but decides to stand by her and uh, there's a census that comes and it wasn't like you could pull out your smartphone and do it or do it in the postal thing like we did. You actually had to go to the town of your birth and because Joseph was from the line of David, that meant that they had to go, and so was Mary actually, way back when, they had to go to the town of Bethlehem. And when they got there, there was no room at the inn and so they had to take a place with the animals and, and we typically know that as a stable and we see that in the nativity as the stable, but it could have just been the room downstairs, like the kitchen where they cooked and had some um, animals in there as well. It could have been a cave-like situation or a barn, we don't know, but uh, they were there and, and she gave birth to Jesus and laid him in a manger, a, a trough that animals feed from. Um, that night, uh, angels appear to shepherds and, and we saw that on that opening clip. They were fearful, but they said, don't be afraid. And they told him where Jesus, told the shepherds where Jesus would be. And so the first people that got to worship Jesus were these nobodies out the back of nowhere, showing that God is no respecter of persons, that he treats a shepherd boy or a king or a teenage girl or an upstanding young man completely alike. And so they went to worship him. And then um, sometime later, some people came from the east journeying to also give him gifts. You might know them as the three wise men. And then, uh, and then they ended up fleeing to Egypt because Herod wanted to commit genocide. The king at the time, he, he felt threatened by the news of this baby. And then they came back after some years and settled in a region called Galilee. That's the Cliff's Notes version of the birth of Jesus Christ. Like I said, 700 years before, In a completely different political climate, there was a man called King Ahaz. 
And he had part of his court back then. The kings would have people called prophets so that they could hear from God on what they should do. And it was up to the king whether or not they would listen to that person who was there to give the message from God. And King Ahaz was there and and it was a time of political intrigue. There were rising powers, foreign nations that were starting to exert their muscle. And and, um, King Ahaz decides that he's going to make moves and counter moves and strategies and alliances in order to keep Israel safe. And he's relying on his own understanding to do these things. And the prophet Isaiah comes to him and says, Ahaz, what are you doing? Like making alliances with these nations that are nothing like us, that will drag us down with them. What are you thinking? Don't you remember that we can inquire of the Lord? And this is what the Lord says. The Lord says he's got it. You don't have to worry. He, he is taking care of you. He has got this under control. And King Ahaz says, ah, uh, I think I've got it sorted. Thanks, Isaiah. And Isaiah says, hey, I'm telling you, Ahaz, ask God for a sign. And Ahaz says very piously, oh no, I can't put the Lord my God to the test. But really, he wants to just say, I want to go my way. I don't want God's way. And Isaiah says incredulously, are you kidding? God just said, put me to the test. And you're saying, oh, I don't want to. Well, hang on. He says, God himself will give you a sign. And in chapter 7 of Isaiah, it says this in verse 10. Or, also known as 14. Okay. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. This is Isaiah talking to him. The Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. Emmanuel. God in Hebrew is El, Emmanuel, with us is God. Now, God had many names to this point, Elohim. Oh, no, sorry. Oh, you got masks on, say Elohim. Um, Elohim, that's like the creator God who creates order out of chaos. There was, there was El Elyon, the, the God who provides. There was El Shaddai, the God of all sufficiency. There was God Alam, God most high. There was El Hai, the God who lives. There was El Roy, the God who sees. All these names for God. But then at this point in time, the prophet says, he's going to be God with us. God with us. All this was to show that God wanted to be with us. And while this name was first given, all these thousands of years after the dawn of humanity, this was a sentiment that was expressed right from the start. God always, always wanted to be with his people. God is not a distant God who stands afar off and waits to see if we choose him and then is pleased by it or we don't choose him and then he's disgusted and annoyed by it. No, he's always been a God who wanted to get right amongst it. And in the first three chapters of this history, it says that when we got it wrong, God ran into us. He is not put off by our weaknesses, as Brie so beautifully said. He's not put off by our weaknesses. He runs towards them. He's not shy when we make a mistake and thinks, well, you need to do better. No, He comes right in the midst of it to come and help us. He says here that that virgin birth will be a sign that I want to be with you, that I want to be with you. When Moses in the Bible asked God, who are you? He said, I am that I am which sounds like something Obi-Wan Kenobi would say, but really means I have always been and I be right now and I'm always going to be. 
And I am, and I'm here, and I'm amongst it. I'm amongst it. It's always been the meta-narrative that God wants to be with his people. I was speaking with a beautiful lady last week, and uh, she was grieving a friendship, and we had a beautiful time together. And, and, and she was feeling, of course, the loneliness that everyone feels when you lose a, and grieve a friendship. And I said to her, you know what? There's this beautiful moment that God is so close in loneliness. And she said, I don't really feel God. And I don't know if you've ever felt like that as well. I see people raising their hands in worship or I see people maybe get, a, get teary when they start to talk about him. But I don't feel like that when I talk about God or when I think about God. Maybe you feel like that. Well, in this book, when Isaiah's talking, he then goes on once Ahaz has basically rejected what he says. He goes on to predict what will happen on the basis of his choices. And then in chapter 9... He changes tact and he says this, nevertheless, you know what, you always find neverthelesses in the word of God. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who are in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, but in the future, he will honour Galilee of the Gentiles. That's the region that Jesus was born into populated by people who weren't supposed to be chosen by God, populated by people that the people of God were supposed to shun and outcast in Galilee of the Gentiles, by the way of the sea along the Jordan. And he says, The people walking in darkness have seen a great light on those living in the shadow, in the land of the shadow of death. You might have heard that in the psalmist who says, Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I take a look at my life and realise there's nothing... Li- no, sorry, that's um, year 10. Sorry, it's coming out. Now I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And, and as I was saying here, a light has come on those living in the land of the shadow of death. Verse 3, you've enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as men rejoice when dividing the plunder. Verse 6, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. So this beautiful, beautiful promise that God will be with us and there'll be peace and there'll be life and it will be amazing and it will be incredible. Why? Why would God want to be with us? Well, why do you want to be with anyone? Because you love them. God loves you. That's why he wants to be with you. God loves us. That's why he wants to be with us. Now, again, let's come back to that beautiful lady that I was talking to last week, what if we don't always feel that love? Is it because God has mood swings and sometimes he's distant and sometimes he's close? No, James tells us that he does not change like shifting shadows. So as I was thinking about this, why then? Why do we feel so often like he's not with us? And I was thinking about Daz. He was the guy that you were woof whistling just earlier. He is a wonderful husband. And he would tell you that he loves me very imperfectly. 
And I would 100% agree. <laughs> but, I, but I would also say there are times when He loves me just wonderfully and truly and beautifully. And yet, it doesn't seem to matter which of those He's loving me with that I don't feel always necessarily loved. That even though He is loving me well or loving me imperfectly, sometimes I don't feel loved because I'm me. And I have insecurity in me and I have history in me and I have whatever messages I've been telling myself for years. And even though He loves me, I sometimes don't feel loved. And so God loves us as a good father and as a perfect father. He says in, well, Jesus Himself said in Matthew 7, He said, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. He who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil in comparison, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask Him? God loves us perfectly. He loves us with everything. And yet sometimes we still don't feel loved because we are us. So what do I do when I'm not feeling loved by my husband? I remind myself that for the last 21 years, he's chosen me. I remind myself that he might not pick up his undies, but he washes up consistently. He might not do all the things that I want him to, but he does his best so often And He has told me that He loves me. So I choose to believe that. How much more the God of all creation, who again, like Bree says, has this thousands of years of a meta-narrative of 40 different authors and 66 different books, all telling us in some way, shape or form that God wants to be with us. He wants to be with us. And it might not matter how you feel. You might feel unlovable. You might feel like, no, God could not possibly want to be with me. Have you seen me? And God's saying, I have. And I love you. I love you. So I wonder if this Christmas, you might do some asking. You might do some seeking. You might do some knocking. Because if you do, I believe that you'll receive some answers. I believe that the door will be open to you. And I believe that you'll find Him. What then remains for us to do tonight if we were to do something? Revelations chapter 3, verse 19 says this. It says, Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline, so be earnest and repent, which simply means stop doing what you're doing and turn and go in a different direction. It says, Here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. I love how Eugene Peterson puts it in the message paraphrase. He says that to those, I wrote it down, it's all good. To those I love, I call to account, I prod and correct and guide so that they'll live at their best. Up on your feet then, about face, run after God. Look at me, I stand at the door, I knock. If you hear me call and open the door, I'll come right in and sit down to supper with you. This Christmas, no matter where you are, no matter who you are, He's knocking on the door of your heart. Maybe for some of you, He's just knocking just for you to release that little bit more to Him. 
or that complete surrender to Him. You've got some rooms closed off to Him. You've got, yes, come this far, but no further, God. Don't touch this area of my life. And He would have you just fling the doors wide open. He'd knocking on those doors because He loves you and wants you to live at your best. Maybe for some of you, it would be that first initial open. And you can feel the knocking on the door of your heart right now. And He would ask, will you let me in? Will you about face? Will you stop going your way? And will you choose to go my way? Will you surrender your life to me? Because I want to be with you. I am Emmanuel. I am with us is God. And I came in the most vulnerable state possible to show you. There's a newborn baby at campgrounds this morning when I was getting my coffee. And particularly at this time, I just stare at those smushy little creatures. I think, God, how? How? Why were you so willing to let your son come all the way in the most vulnerable state? And the only answer that can be is because I wanted peace with my people. So I just wonder if you can close your eyes tonight. We're just nearly done. Can you hear the knocking on the door of your heart tonight? I want to ask the question, will you let Him in? Will you open the door to God tonight? Maybe it's been a long time. Maybe you've always known that God's existed. Maybe you've never even given Him a thought. But tonight, He would have you know that you are constantly in His thoughts. You are constantly in His thoughts. Will you open the door to Him? I'm going to pray a really simple prayer tonight. And I'm going to ask everyone in here to pray with me. And, and, and just while I ask these questions, if you've already made this decision, if you've already opened the door of your heart to Jesus and, and He lives in you and you in Him, then I just ask that you be praying for people right now because this is a big moment for some people. Can you pray for those people who might be in a moment of decision right now? And if you haven't yet made that decision or it's been a long time since you made it, I just want to ask, will you let Him in? And I'm going to ask everyone in this room to pray a prayer after me. Would you say, Dear Jesus, I open my heart to You. Please come in. Please be the Lord of my life. Please take charge. I'm not that great at it. I want to give you my whole life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I just want to pray for people who maybe made that decision for the first time tonight. And so if we could just keep our eyes closed because I want to give them privacy and I'm not going to call them out or anything like that. I just simply want to pray a prayer of blessing, particularly at this time of Christmas. If that was you tonight, can you raise your hand on the count of three just to let me know, yep, I prayed that prayer for the first time or the first time in a long time. One, two, three. Thank you. Thank you. Great decision. Thank you. Great decision over here. Thank you. Anyone else? I want to pray for you tonight. Did you make that decision to let Jesus into your heart? Just throw your hand up just long enough for me to see it. I'll acknowledge it and you can put it back down. Thank you. That's awesome. Great. Okay, I'm going to pray. Lord, 
All these people just made a decision to put You first, Lord. And, and Lord, this is just the first step, Lord, in a, in a walk after You, in a following of You. Lord, I pray that You would put all the right people around them, Lord, to help them on their journey, Lord, that You would, um, Lord, that You would instruct them, that they would know Your voice, Lord, by the power of Your Holy Spirit, that, Lord, You would enable them to live this life. And Lord, there would be a peace drop into their heart like they've never understood before, a peace with God in Jesus' mighty Name. Amen. Hey, church, can we celebrate with these people? that made this decision. How good is that? Hey again, thanks so much for joining us on this podcast. Whether you are new and exploring your faith or a follower of Jesus, there's a next step for you. There is always room to grow, more to be done, destiny to be pursued and people to be reached. So what's your next step? To find out, head over to thechapelcollective.com.au And thanks again for listening.